Hi there. I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. Hey, everyone. The semiconductor industry's role in creating a sustainable world continues to be one of the hottest topics of discussion. And this week at the Semi um, Industry Strategy Symposium, almost every presentation addressed the issue in one form or the other. Joining me to talk about the sustainability challenge today is Marshall Chase. He's Director of Sustainability at Micron, and his entire presentation at ISS was on this topic. So um, we've got an expert in the room. So thanks for joining me today, Marshall. Thanks a lot, Francois. Um, let, to get started, can you share a bit of your background? I understand your background is not in semiconductors. No, I am not a semiconductor engineer. I just work with a lot of them. I've been at Micron for about three, three and a half years and worked with the company previously. Uh, my previous employer was an organization called BSR, Business for Social Responsibility. Um, it is a consulting organization working with companies on environmental and social sustainability. So that's where I got my introduction to Micron and then ultimately came in-house. And when did you? When did your passion for sustainability develop? Oh, it's been um, more or less my entire life. I um, grew up with a pair of parents who were, one was a registered nurse, one was a nursing home administrator, backpacking in New England every summer. So sort of it's it's been in in me and in my family, DNA, my, yeah, my my entire life. Well, I noticed that you. Well, they they mentioned in your bio yesterday that you were you did some time in the Peace Corps. Yeah, immediately out of undergrad, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa. Okay, so that I can see the the trend, or the I can see the influence that would send you down this career path. Um, so, specifically with the semiconductor industry, um, one of the things everyone is talking about is how semiconductors are critical for the world to achieve net zero emission goals by 2050. But at the same time, the industry is a high producer of GHG emissions itself. So can you walk us through the steps of how we can navigate this successfully? Yeah, absolutely. Semiconductors are a critical part of solving climate change, solving... uh, um, When I was talking the other day, I I put up the UN Sustainable Development Goals. There are 17 goals that every UN member state has agreed to. That's basically the roadmap for sustainability for the foreseeable future. And semiconductors really play a role in virtually all of these, from from solving poverty and hunger to biodiversity to city infrastructure. And specifically with climate change, we have to acknowledge that both we are part of the solution. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't do you can't do electric vehicles. You can't do integrated green infrastructure and utilities without semiconductors. But at the same time, semiconductors it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of really intense greenhouse gases in order to manufacture semiconductors. So what we have to look at is how we become more energy efficient. Mm-hmm. How we use renewable energy. That is relatively straightforward, but not always easy in places like Singapore. Mm-hmm. It's an island nation state that has limited renewable energy resources, but how do we get there? Um, and then on the manufacturing front, we have fluorinated gases that we use. There's always going to be a leak rate. There's always going to be an inefficiency to abatement, but addressing leaks wherever possible uh, improving abatement wherever possible, using lower global warming potential gases, and being as efficient as possible in all of these areas. Um, one of the things that I have been questioning and concerned about, because I, I live in Arizona, mm-hmm. and they're building, you know, TSMC is building a plant in Arizona. Arizona is a desert, 
and our water supply is limited, even though we have water rights from the Colorado River. For the first time this year, they are putting um, water restrictions on agriculture. So I'm wondering how... For instance, as an example, that plays in our, the water usage. Can we reduce our water consumption? I mean, what, what can you talk to about that? Yeah, that's another. Uh, water is a critical resource for semiconductor manufacture. It takes a lot of water to uh, uh, to support these clean room environments. It simply needs a great deal of water to ma- maintain that environment, and we have to make sure that those resources are available, but also not just available for semiconductor uh, production, obviously, but for the surrounding communities, the the surrounding economy. So the industry, I think, has been very good at being able to reuse water wherever possible, but continues to do more. So uh, I know several companies in the industry, both Micron Intel and and others, have strong water recovery recycling Mm -hmm. rates. And and both of us effectively have a, a net positive water aspiration. So these companies are working with the communities where you're always going to have an evaporation rate. Mm-hmm. Um, any process that you have is essentially you're going to have some water evaporate, so you're not going to be able to return all of the water that you withdraw back to the the surrounding ecosystem. But you can work with others in the community, the farmers, the, the others that need water, to make sure that everybody is using water efficiently mm-hmm. and that, that you are maintaining a high, high quality of water in the, the local area. Would it make more sense to locate facilities where the resources aren't in short supply? Well, I, I can't speak specifically to, to companies that are locating in, um, in deserts or, or others, but I, I'm, I know that Intel has been in, in Arizona for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're handling this effectively. In general, though, being aware of local resources, the availability of the, those resources, and working with communities to make sure that the, the resources are being conserved, are being used effectively, is, is extremely important. It's kind of a, a vicious cycle because we need semiconductors to achieve sustainability and we need more of them. So the more that we need, the, there's going to be an increase in greenhouse gases just from the volumes of, of chips that we have to produce and all of the other ancillary activities that go around that. It's a challenge. Yeah, it, is, ab- it is a big challenge. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why I'm working at, at Micron. It, mm. um, this sustainability will stand or fall with the manufacturers in the middle of the supply chain, those that are actually using the resources, but also those that are creating the solutions. Um, this is, uh, I mentioned yesterday in my presentation, these are mind-bendingly hard challenges. Right. Looking at the, the rate of growth in this industry and trying to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions, water positive, things like that. This is extraordinarily difficult, but this is where sustainability will stand or fall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are Micron's approaches for sustainability? So we look at sustainability as essentially all things environmental, social, and governance. Uh, my team's responsibility is corporate sustainability. So we focus on strategy, integration, coordination, and engagement, which basically means working with teams across the company and with, with stakeholders outside of the company on our overall sustainability programs. Looking specifically at environmental sustainability, focusing on really our operations, we have goals in four areas. Uh, we aim to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We aim to adopt renewable energy. We manage our water resources, and we address waste. So in each of these areas, we have goals for 2025 to 2030, and then an aspiration to essentially be 100% or zero. So an aspiration to be net zero greenhouse gases or carbon neutral, an aspiration to be 100% renewable energy, an aspiration for 100% water reuse, recovery, recycling, and, and zero waste. 
But to get there, it's really not my team at a corporate level. It is the folks in operations. Mm -hmm. It's the folks in procurement, the folks throughout the organization that are focused on this, where we have people who are actively working in operations to address our water use, to see how we can be much more efficient in our water use, to see where we can use resources that are not taking away from the community or where we can work with communities to support local water resources. Similarly with greenhouse gases, um, it's not me that is going out and looking for renewable energy to buy. It is our indirect procurement team that's actively doing that. Mm Um, as well as folks in our operations working with our suppliers, for example, our our, our chemistry suppliers, our our, uh, gas suppliers, to see where we can identify lower global warming potential gases, Mm -hmm. where we can use them more efficiently. Okay, I was going to ask you, do you have requirements of of your suppliers, of your supply chain, to adhere to certain um, uh, sustainability goals themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So there's sort of two categories to that. One is there's an organization called the Responsible Business Alliance that basically sets an industry standard code of conduct across the electronics and, and other industries. But generally, that's that's kind of a common bar or a common hurdle where basically every supplier in the industry is expected to, to adhere to this this common platform. And then building on top of that, we work with our capital equipment suppliers and others We highlight the fact that they have a role to play in us achieving our goals, and where they can help us with that, that is a a benefit that helps enhance our relationship Uh, uh, Mm buyer-to-customer, customer-to-supplier, rather. So um, there are opportunities to work with suppliers, and we actively do that on on kind of that that basic hurdle rate, Mm -hmm. and then over and above that, where can we work together to achieve these goals? Because it really is going to be a collaborative effort. Definitely. And it's beyond just um, buyers and suppliers. Mm-hmm. It really is across the industry. Mm-hmm. Companies can be working together on a pre-competitive basis through SEMI, through the Responsible Business Alliance, through a range of other organizations to, to address these issues. Sharing of information, sharing of knowledge, um, building platforms for innovation that meet not just one company's needs, but the industry's needs. It, these are going to be incredibly important if we're going to achieve these goals, if we're going to achieve things like net zero greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. Well, like, for instance, yesterday during the panel, um, Bertrand Loy of Integra said the company's choosing not to commit to net zero by 2050 because he, they're not sure that it's achievable and they don't want to set unrealistic goals for themselves. While Tim Archer of Lamb Research said the company is committed to this. And so how do we get everybody on the same page? Well, I think each individual company, to some extent, has to take its own approach. There are certainly, um, to some extent, differences in philosophy. Some companies are somewhat averse to identifying a goal that they don't have a clear line of sight to. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to commit to something if they don't know for a virtual fact that they can actually do this. Um, they, they may be striving for it. They may be working toward it. But they don't know for certainty. So they're not necessarily willing to say in public that they're going to do it if they don't know. There are others who say that, this is critically important, and even though we don't know how we're going to do this, we're setting that out as a goal, and we're going to do our best to reach it. I, I see that as a simple difference mm-hmm. in philosophy among companies. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there is a broad recognition of the need to achieve net zero uh, greenhouse gases by about the middle of this century. That is what is effectively in the Paris Agreement on climate change. And um, frankly, if we don't get there, we're going to have far larger problems than than the concerns about whether a company meets its, its individual goal or not. Right. So how hard and fast is 2050? Is there wiggle room there? There's always going to be a little bit of, of wiggle room. There's always going to be a little bit of scientific uncertainty. But in general, it is like if we don't achieve net zero greenhouse gases and have a strong path to get from here to there, 
over the next 30 years, then you're going to see increasing effects of climate change on um, local environments, on the on local infrastructure, ultimately on businesses and, and, and the economy that are going to be extraordinarily damaging. And it's not, I, I should be clear, it's not an either or. It's not either we achieve net zero or the world is is screwed. Um, it, it is every increment counts. Every little mm-hmm. bit counts. So we need to be working as hard and as fast as possible. And even if we don't quite get there, um, then we're still better than if we do much better than that, then so much better. This is all about incrementally increasing or reducing risk. And we need to reduce that risk as much as possible. Can you talk about the business benefits of environmental social governance? Environmental social and governance program or sustainability. um, They're relatively synonymous. Some nuances there that we don't need to get into. But in in general, there are strong business benefits to having these programs. Um, If you just look at corporate stakeholders, if you look at employees, um, employees want to work for a company that aligns with their values. They want to work for a company that is seen as a good corporate citizen. And Gartner just a few months ago came out with some information that, that shows that tech workers would consider leaving their current employer for another employer that is seen as a better corporate citizen, is, is seen as having more socially responsible programs. We're in a talent-constrained environment mm-hmm. We are competing for employees. We need to have as many people as possible, smart people coming into the semiconductor manufacturing space if we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the levers that companies can pull to attract that talent and retain that talent and ensure that that talent is is engaged and effective. Um, So there's a strong correlation between uh, corporate sustainability performance and employee engagement, employee performance, employee retention. That's just one set of stakeholders, critically important Mm -hmm. in in employees. Um, But looking at customers, so Micron is primarily business to business. We we sell to a lot of well-known companies around the world. And increasingly, well-known companies have a public net zero goal or have public sustainability goals that encompass not just their owned operations, but their products and their supply chain. Mm -hmm. So they are evaluating their suppliers on whether their suppliers can support their own the, their company's sustainability goals. This is right alongside quality, service, delivery, and other traditional business metrics. They're including sustainability in those evaluations. So there's the opportunity to win or lose business in part because of a company's sustainability programs. And then looking at investors, mainstream investors, th- these aren't Relatively small impact investment shops. These are the Black Rocks, the State Streets, the vanguards of the world, the world's largest investment houses that are engaging with companies on sustainability efforts. They are looking at whether companies are managing climate risk. They're looking at whether companies have diversity, equality, inclusion programs. They're actively engaging with these companies on ESG programs. And then finally, governments and regulators. We've seen just in the last few weeks the Securities and Exchange Commission came out with proposed rulemaking on climate reporting, and the European Commission came out with a, a directive on corporate due diligence on environment and human rights in their supply chains. So all of these stakeholders obviously show that there's an intersection between ESG issues and, and corporate success. Okay, and so reporting is really critical. 
I would say uh, transparency communication reporting is uh, an aspect of that, but broadly making sure that, that companies are engaging with these stakeholders, that they're communicating back and forth. This isn't a simple one-way talking about the great things that the companies are doing, but also listening to what the outside stakeholders really want, what customers want, what employees want, what others want from the, the companies, and being able to have that conversation. So that is, that is certainly a critical aspect of this. How recently, it's, it seems like this has really started to gain momentum and gain traction in the past few years. So what would you say, you know, five years ago, how have we progressed since in the past five years? I'd say um, a couple of things. Partly it is certainly in the business-to-business environment, companies that are engaging with their supply chain more deeply. Uh, the investment space has certainly come on gangbusters in the last few years. Um, it, large investment houses seeing the opportunity to certainly make money in this space, certainly a great deal of interest among individual investors in wanting to, wanting to invest their money where it has an impact. Um, but also a recognition that these are big global problems with systemic impacts on the global economy. So to the extent that Again, the Black Rocks, the State Streets, the Vanguards, and others can engage with the companies they invest in to steer those impacts in a way that the economy continues to flourish is increasingly important and increasingly recognized. Okay. All right. Um, anything else that you think we should talk about um, that I'm missing? I think the the importance of, we, we've talked about the importance of collaboration, the importance of innovation is really critical here. Uh, one of the things that, that Micron and others are doing in collaboration with SEMI actually is encouraging the startup environment to look at semiconductors and look at innovation in the sustainability space for semiconductors. It is admittedly a, um, a, a very large, very scaled industry with a lot of very specific requirements. At the same time, the entire industry recognizes that we have these challenges, we need to address these challenges, and we need innovation to do it. Some of that certainly is going to come from in-house, but some of that is going to come from the outside. So looking at startups, looking at at, um, creative technologies that can help us address these issues is incredibly important. Did, Did the pandemic have any impact on this at all in a positive or negative way? I would say, if anything, it accelerated things. So um, certainly in the business sense of um, everybody working from home needing more technology and ultimately Mm -hmm. needing more Mm -hmm. semiconductors going into that technology, uh, there was a recognition that we have a positive role to play in connecting society. And also there was a recognition that we have these challenges. So some of this is playing out in the pandemic. societal challenges affect business. And mm-hmm. so to the extent that we can play a role in addressing those societal challenges and managing those societal challenges, we're going to do better as businesses. The economy is going to do better. I want to just circle back for one quick minute um, on the sustainable development goals. Now, what are the key ones that the semiconductor industry need to be focused on to reach to net zero? Because it seems like we're really focusing on the environmental, but um, is there any other areas that they should be paying attention to? Sure. So uh, certainly climate action is SDG, uh, Sustainable Development Goal number 13. Um, the, there is a goal on water. There are a couple of goals on diversity, equality, and inclusion. Um, so Talent for this this sector is incredibly important, as we've talked about, and finding diverse sources, diverse pools of talent, bringing them in, um, not just as talent for the industry, but also to address diverse needs out there is incredibly important. 
um, you can look at pretty much every one of the SDGs and say there is a role for semiconductors in this space from um, whether it is artificial intelligence in city infrastructure or um, providing uh, AI and research and technology tools to those that are working on global hunger and poverty. Um, we, we touch on every one of them, essentially. There are some critical ones, though, I would say, in diversity, in climate, in water, and a handful of others. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. How can people learn more? Um, that's a good question. They, they can look at uh, Micron's specific sustainability efforts at micron.com slash sustainability. Uh, there's also some efforts on the uh, on semi.org and others in the industry as well. And can they reach you on LinkedIn or? Yeah, I'm available on, on LinkedIn. That's my primary social media platform, I guess. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you, Francois. Take care. Bye. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.